Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and season five keeps on rolling. We keep on trucking and bringing out great people to have on board. Now, I consider myself, and so do many, as one of the greatest living copywriters on the planet Earth, but this man has kind of got me beat a little bit because he kind of bought the domain, which is one of our sponsors today, thegreatestontheplanet.com. Slightly miffed that I didn't buy that before him, but hey, it's kind of all fun and games. John Hopper, ladies and gentlemen. John, welcome to the show. <laughs> always the fun stuff like that. I'm always going to have that. So just a very quick uh, heads up for everyone listening to the show. Um, John is specifically known as someone that has essentially, if, if I'm not getting this wrong, you've streamlined a way that employers and employees can help each other to get the best out of each other. So how you can train the best employees to have them stay with you for a long time while simultaneously you becoming a very good employer to find exactly who to hire. So it works on both sides of the fence. So the employee will understand what training they're getting. The employee will understand how to train their new people. Okay. That's good. I'm glad. I was like, damn, that would be like, so it would have been so terrible if I hadn't got that. But I'm so glad because that's one of the things that we, uh, as someone that is in the millennial generation, I do know the average uh, time that a millennial stays in a position in work is um, only 24 months. They only stay 24 months with the company before they tend to leave. And I'm assuming based on what I know of you and the research I've done, you essentially kind of get, not get rid of that, but you limit that by allowing your, the employees that the, your clients hire you to work with. So the employers, um, you show them the training system to make sure that you build like a loyalty of employees that stay with you for a long time and create like a community that works with you. And of course that limits, um, not so much limits, but actually no one really wants to leave because they're getting paid well, everything's going well, everything just works well. Is that, is that kind of the area that you work in? Perfect. Which thing? Hundreds, hundreds, more hundreds have quit. So after 17 years, I'm like, I, this can't be right. I have to be the problem. Yeah. Whatever I'm doing is wrong. How can I look at this and say hundreds of people have been fired and every single one of them was the problem, but I'm perfectly fine? No, I'm the problem, yeah. right? I'm doing something wrong. And it's the common de denominator factor all over again. Like, what is the most common denominator in those situations? And it is usually you. 
It is. It, it absolutely was. And and what I did was, uh, I'll just tell you really quickly what happened was I'm sitting at home. It was in uh, August of 2017 and I'm stressed out about work. It was a Sunday. My kids were at home and I, I'm discouraged. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I the only one here who cares? Nobody else cares. If the paycheck doesn't show up on Friday, they're not coming to work on Monday. I mean, that, that, that you know, that's being brutally honest about it. They don't care. I'm the only one keeping this afloat. And why is that? So then I thought, well, maybe I'm asking the wrong thing of them. So when it comes to an employee, what do I really, really care about? What do they have to do to meet my needs? For me to say, you know what, that's an unfireable employee. And I sat down and I started working on a list and there's only six things on the list. And I could add a seventh if I wanted to, but it's not required. I could add 10 more items if I want to. They're not required. I only need six things and it becomes an unfireable situation. I cannot let you go. And honestly, I don't even care if you know how to do the job. You don't even know how to do the job and I can't let you go. I'll still keep you because you're meeting these six things. And these six things are enough to keep you in place as long as you want to be here. See, that's good to actually have because um, very few people actually even think about it that way, including me and myself. Like, I've actually had it in that sense before because I've not really hired as many people in my in my line of work. But when I do, I don't ever think of it that way. And something that really struck me in your biography that really makes sense is this idea that, like, in the 1700s, fair enough, you could actually go work on a farm and you just basically get told – Here's what do as I tell you and I'll pay you for it. Whereas that same basis doesn't work today because how oh, as the world changes, as technology evolves and we evolve, those old ways of working don't work anymore. That's correct. But yet we as employers still do it to this day. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like working it's with insanity. Yeah, it's working with broken reel. Now, very quickly before we do continue, because I do I, I realized I didn't do this and I'm gonna get yelled at for from uh for my sponsors. So just a real quick shout out for our sponsors for the show. It is thegreatestontheplanet.com. Go there, um, check it out. And as John is, and I are literally talking about this right now, it's this idea of, if I remember going to on your website, it actually asks you what field you're in and it helps you really understand what you need to do. And I haven't gone through the entire process, but that's, go guys, go check it out. Uh, and the second, uh, our second sponsor for the show today is thecopywritersroom.com. If you guys gone over there as well, um, by the time this is live and everything, you'll actually be able to see that we have the new opt-in page up that is going to be really essentially teaching you the the core fundamentals of uh, writing copy and what to look for um, and that kind of fun stuff. But anyway, that's all the fun stuff I'll be teaching later on. But back to this whole thing. One thing I'm really curious about was what, what are the six things? Like what are the six things that you actually uh, teach? Perfect. So in in... In my career, I did um, my experiences in commercial construction for a quarter of a century. And now going on 20 years of that, I'm the owner. Okay. So if, 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 if I can relate this to commercial construction, I can almost relate it to any single industry. Yeah. So when, if you, if you would have came up to me five years ago and said, what's the most important thing here? I most probably would have responded with the schedule. Because in my personal career, schedule was critically important. If we don't meet the schedule, we have to start paying the customer money. Forget us getting paid. We have to pay them, right? That's how it works. 
So I, I put a lot of emphasis in my career on the schedule. It has to get done on time or it gets done early. A lot of times we make more money by finishing even earlier. So a lot of emphasis was put on time, even more so than, than the budget really in a lot of situations. But you go to another business owner and another business owner might say, well, the most important thing here is sales. We have to have revenue. And another person might say, well, we have to have profitability. If we don't have profitability. We're going to go out of business, right? So you ask all these business owners, what's the most important thing here? And they give you a different answer based on whatever they believe it to be. And there is a universal truth. And the universal truth to all businesses, the most important thing is the people that work there. Yeah. Because if they go away, so does everything else. You boil your whole entire company down to a piece of paper filed away at the state and an EIN number. That's all you become. You don't even have a human being to deposit money in the bank account. You don't have a human being to go out and get more sales. It all revolves around the people. So if you put the people in the center of it and you make those great people and you build out from there, that's the most important thing in the company. It's the core of the company. If, if they're gone, it's just a shell. There's nothing there. What do we need an office for if we don't have employees? What do we need compensation for if we don't have employees? Why are we doing marketing to go get customers that we can't service because we don't have employees? The employee is the hub of the entire company. And there's a huge problem because, number one, the employer doesn't see the employee as the hub of the entire company. And the employee doesn't see themselves as that. So in the most important thing in the company, there's a disconnect. The employee doesn't think they're valuable. They believe they can be replaced. And the employer sees them as a liability, not as an asset. So in my program, the most important thing in the company is the people. What we need to do is tell them that you are important here. We need you. If you go away, I have to find someone to replace you. So I don't want you to go away. I want you to stay. You know, I want you to be a part of the core of this company. But that doesn't happen today. So in the most important thing in the, in, in the business, there's a huge disconnect. We need to tell the people that work here, they're the most important thing. And the person who works there needs to understand they're the most important thing. So that is number one on the list of the six most, six, the only six things I need from an employee. That's yes. number one. Now, before we move on to like say number two onwards, my question really that arises and maybe you answer this in the rest of the steps is how do you make someone feel that way? Because I definitely do know from being on both sides of being an employee and an employer, yep. sometimes there's, Sometimes you can say the wrong thing and you don't mean to, or you could say, hey, we really need you here. And that's part of my language a little bit. It's kind of like giving them the vice grips that are around your nuts and be like, yeah, because some people will take, some people have, in my experience that I've found, take advantage oh. of that position of power. They, if they're doing the rest of the five things, let them. Okay. Let them, let them, let them do that. Because they're going to be an unfireable employee. So what? So here's 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 what I contend. When you go out and you say I want a new customer, right, or I want to service my customer, right, you wake up in the morning thinking about it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. You do it all through your day, right. But when it comes to the most important thing in your company, you barely pay any attention to it. I don't want you to do that anymore. What I want you to do is I want to I want you to fire yourself. 
from trying to worry about what they're doing. And I want you to empower them to do what you hired them to do. Nobody hires a person to come work at their company and thinks to themselves, boy, this is going to be a horrible experience. They think I've made a great decision. I've hired a great person. This person's going to fit in nicely here. They're willing to work for the wage that we're offering. They have experience or I can train them. It, it's all positive. And then it goes sideways. Like you said, you said it's 24 months. And, and I disagree. That might be a statistic number. But here's when it really goes south. When the employee's needs aren't being met anymore. Yeah. That's when it goes south. And, and, and if an employer only has the ability to meet their needs for 24 months, then so be it. Sometimes it's less than a few hours. Sometimes the employee never they get the job, but they never even show up, right? So if we're going to come from a point of scarcity where we're fearful that if I do too much for this employee, this employee is then going to be empowered and take advantage of me, you're in a lot of trouble. Because when, when you empower that employee and you tell that employee you're the most important thing here and they then do the next five things, they truly are the most important thing there. So, so I, I, I stand by that basis that the most important thing is your employee and you need to tell them. You as an employer should wake up every morning and forget what they're doing. Worry about what you're doing. What can I do every single day to make the experience of working here better for the people who work here. But as employers, we're lazy. What we want to do is we want to throw money at the problem because we have that, right? So we say, well, if you go do this, you can make more money. And, and I contend people aren't driven by money. And if they are driven by money, how come they don't have any? Yeah. Most people don't have money because money is not what drives them. People are driven by all kinds of different things. I mean, there are human beings with their own sets of beliefs. One, one believes that fitness is the most important thing. And another one believes being a vegetarian is the most important thing. And another believes their kids is the most important thing. And another believes a, a, a personal life and a work life needs to be well balanced. They all have different needs. And we as employers ignore those. And we just say, you can make more money. You can make more money. I see it on social media every day. Come work for me and you can make $100,000 a year. They don't care. I mean, there's a few people who do, but most people do not care about that. What, I, what most people want is their needs met. If I can meet their needs, they'll stay and they'll do what I need them to do. And it's really that, sim it's, it's that sim simplistic. It's really not that hard. But you can't just say your employees are empowered and then forget the other five things. You can't tell your employee you're the most important thing here and then ignore the other five things. So with that said, if it's okay with you, I'll go on to the next five things. Oh, definitely. I was just about to ask what would be Absolutely. the other five things. So if we're going to say that people are the most important thing, then the next most important thing has to be money. It has to be sales. And the reason why is if we don't have sales and we don't have money, I can't pay employees. Exactly. I can't pay the white bill. I can't pay insurance. I can't pay the rent. I can't pay anything if I don't have money. So we're not even going to worry about the minutia of, is it profitable? Just bring me money. Let me worry about whether it's profitable or not. And we do have uh, things built into this system to help with the profitability side of it. But I don't want the employee focused on that because when an employee focuses on is the business profitable or not? It's taking away from what I really care about, which is the six things. And if you do these six things, you become an unfireable employee. So 
Sales has to be number two. We have to have money. We, we didn't come here to not make money. We only came to work today to make money. That's true for everybody. So we need to keep the machine rolling. We have to have sales coming in. Now, if in fact you're the most important thing here, and I don't care what your position is in the company, I need you to help bring in sales. You have to help. And, and, and I'll give you an example of an industry that does this very, very well. And it's the automotive industry. Someone who works at an automotive industry pushes the brand that they work for, regardless of what they do. If they're a janitor cleaning out the bathrooms and a friend says, I'm looking for a new car, that guy's going to say, I can get you into the car I work for, right? Or, or you're an engineer. They're pushing people to drive their product. Yeah. Now take that to a roofing company. When someone goes on social media and says, I need a new roof, does the roofer jump on there and say, hey, I can get you a deal on a roof? No, he doesn't say anything. There's no brand loyalty. We want brand loyalty. We want everybody in here to worry about sales. So sales has to be number two. We need revenue. And if you work here, you're equally as responsible as everybody else to help bring in a sale. If you're not bringing in sales, we need to help you bring in sales because as an unfireable employee, it's an important task. The third thing that I care about is, and this is the initial downfall of customer service complaints. A customer enters into an agreement with us, and then we didn't do what we said we were going to do. And that's how we get an upset customer. That's the, 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 the boiling it down as far as you can of what's wrong. So number three on the list is we have to do what we said we were going to do. We have to follow things up. So even if you take someone like a server at a restaurant, the server walks out to the table, drops the burger and fries off, and the customer says, I need some ketchup. So the waiter or waitress goes back to get the ketchup, get sidetracked, and the ketchup never comes. The fries are going to be cold because the guy's waiting on his ketchup, right? Yeah. So even if the burger was great and the fries were okay, they weren't great because they didn't have ketchup on them, we failed. We didn't follow up. They came in here, entered an agreement with us that they were going to buy this burger and fries, and we didn't hold up our end of the bargain and make that an amazing experience for them. So just being very, very, very generic in it, let's do what we said we were going to do. Let's follow things up. So coming in the list at number three is we need to focus on are we following things up? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And that can be as simple, something as simple as we were a construction company and we left tools on the job. Let's walk it one more time and make sure there's nothing here. That's follow-up. I want you focused on that as an employee. So now we're halfway through the list. Number one, the employee understands their value. Number two, the employee's helping bring in sales. And number three, the employee's focused on following things up. I want things followed up to the point of embarrassment because I want no stone unturned. I would rather a customer get upset with me because I asked again, did I do that the way you wanted it done? I want to follow it up, okay? The fourth thing that I care about, and this touches everybody in the business. It touches the owners. It touches managers. It touches other employees. It touches customers. And it is, I want to be dealing with a good human being. I want to be dealing with somebody who's honest. I want to be dealing with someone who's ethical. I want to be dealing with someone who keeps their word, 
right? I don't want to be dealing with a liar. I don't want to be dealing with a, a backstabber or someone who's untrustworthy because what will happen is we will follow it up and still get an upset customer. That does happen. We did everything we were supposed to and the customer's still upset. Now, I might have to go to bat for that employee. I want to know that when I go to bat for that employee, that's a good human being. They did not upset my customer out of malice. They didn't do it maliciously. So whatever this customer's upset about, I know I can have the employees back. The employee understands they're valuable and the employees following things up. Take the sale right out of it. And they're a good human being. This is someone I can support. So I need them to be a good person. The fifth thing that I care about is we're all on the same team here. And this was a huge problem for me in my career, huge, because these people went way out of their way to get each other fired. I would never hear about wins. What I would hear about is how this person didn't do what they were supposed to do. They stood around on the job all day, and if they would have done their job properly, we would have had this done by now. And <clears throat> whether that's true or not, I don't know because I wasn't there, but I'm taking the person's word for it that that's why that didn't happen, right? Because they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they were lazy, and it's nothing more than the other person trying to get the other person fired. I don't want that. We're on the same team. Competition is down the street. I don't want to hear that we're not helping each other out. I don't want to hear that we're cutting each other's throats. I mean, there are huge, massive corporations in the United States who encourage internal competition. It's horrible. The competition is your competitor, not your own workers. I want a team player. I want someone who has everybody else's back and everybody has their back. Because if, could you imagine being the quarterback and you go to throw the ball to the wide receiver and the guy's like, oh, you threw that bad, doesn't catch it? It's insanity. We're on the same team. We've got the same mission. We're driving it down the field. So I need team players. That right there, right there, we have enough to have an unfireable employee. At this point right here, we have enough. And I'm going to ask for one more thing. But to recap up to the five, number one, the employee understands their value and I understand their value. So they're appreciated. Number two, they're helping me bring in revenue. Number three, they follow things up. Number four, they're a good person. Number five, they're a team player. I could stop right there if I wanted to, but I'm going to take it one step further. Only one. I need you to be pushing to do better than you did yesterday because that is the icing on the cake. If you understand your value, you're helping bring in sales, you follow things up, you're a, per a good person, a person of good character, you're a team player, and you're pushing to do better than you did yesterday, you are unfireable. I can't let you go. So now come to me and tell me you need a day off. Come to me and tell me you need a raise. I mean, that was another problem in my career was a great employee, which I didn't have the system at the time, would come to me and say, I need to make more money. And I would unfortunately say, I don't have it. I can't give you more money. And that person would leave. And they were being honest with me. They did need more money because they can go get it someplace else. And what I was doing regretfully so, I mean, I look back on it, I could slap myself for it, was I was taking the money that this person truly deserved 
And I was giving it to a slug that didn't deserve it. That's what I was doing. I was robbing this person of the money that they earned and giving it to someone that didn't deserve it. That's horrible. And I did it for years. And a lot of other employers do it as well. It's awful. Give the person what they deserve. You know why? What, because I don't have the money because I'm giving it to somebody else who's not even pulling their own weight. And now I've lost a great employee over it. I mean, that's just insanity. And it happens every day. Every day. So those are the six things that I, as an employer, that I care about as it relates to my employees. And that's how I create an unfireable employee. Now, you can only have three scenarios. Scenario number one is the person needs help in one of those six things. And again, I don't care if they don't know how to do their job. They don't even know how to do the job. The guy works for a roofing company and he's scared to death of heights. He will not get on the roof. And he works for a roofing company. But he understands his value as an employee. He's helping bring in sales. He follows things up. He's a, a person of good character. He's a team player and he's pushing to do more. Am I getting rid of the guy? No. no. And he won't even go on the roof. And I'm still not getting rid of him. I don't even care if he doesn't know how to do the job. He's not getting, I'm not getting rid of him. I'll find somebody that's not afraid of heights. I'm not getting rid of you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's the same as I've had it with... Um... What's it called? I had it with when I did door to door sales. For yeah. For a while, I was like, I was terrible at like, because it was on commission only. And they could have fired me at any point. I think I went a month without getting any sales come in. And that was six days a week that I had like donuts. Nothing came in. Um, and the whole thing is, I remember one of my, uh, one of my uh, team leaders that I was working with, he actually said to me, because the thing that inspires me about you, Adel, is that you don't give up. You don't stop showing up. Like you, you make sure that everyone else is taken care of. You help people on the door. You, you help others. And he goes, your thing's going to come. Don't you worry about it. A month later, I start, I like hit, I think six, I think I did three sales a day for six days in a week, over six days. Wow. So right. like, literally a month after I did 18 sales in my first week. In the second week, I did another 18. The week after I did 12. And the final week, I think I did 24. Right. Um, and it was like insane. Like my whole team were like, seriously, what have you been doing? I was like, honestly, I just kind of went back to what I love doing, which is talking to people and advising them why they need it. Right. And you were doing number six. You were pushing to do more. And you were, you were only lacking one thing, which was the sale. So in that scenario, I would tell the employer, stick with that person because you're dealing with a good person. They're following things up. They're pushing to do more. They're just lacking in one area. But if, you know, you can only have three things, somebody who needs help in a specific area, somebody who needs to be fired, or you have the greatest on the planet. And that's why I named it the greatest on the planet. Because if you have those six things, you do have the greatest on the planet. See, that's really powerful. And it's, again, something that you said there that was brilliant was that when you go back for your guy, that makes them want to stay for longer because you actually got their back. Yes. In that case. And, and that just shows loyalty because, like, so so often you hear of, like, um, companies, or at least I do over here in the UK, we hear of companies where the employees, uh, like the customer's always right, even when they're not, and the employee gets the brunt of it. They're like, but they're not right. Why am I getting told off? Like, You're right. Think, yeah. So having like an employer go to bat for you in a situation that breeds a level of uh, loyalty 
inside your employees like nothing else. And that's like a word for any employees out there. Have your employees backs and they will have yours for a lot longer. You're right. But you can't have everybody's back. If no, you're they gotta be good. Yeah, they gotta be good. If, if they, you know, and I, I I agree with you. And I want to point something out too that a lot of people miss because they hear me say this, right? And they agree with me and they know that I'm right. There's a major, major thing that doesn't make the list. And it just doesn't make the list because it solves itself in the list. Which is, customer service isn't on the list. Yeah, no, I, I agree. When you have all the other stuff, the customer service kind of works itself out. Exactly. And there's whole industries built around customer service. Why are we not empowering the most important thing in our business? They'll handle it for us. Yeah. I mean, like the craziest thing about it is when you have good, like not even good customer service, it's like everything else falls it's almost like a secondary character, in my opinion. The customer service kind of takes care of itself. If you have all the other things correct, and all the six things you've said are perfectly there, especially as someone that was an employee, I definitely know that. I mean, I write advertising for companies um, as a copywriter, and technically I come in as their employee. And I try and make sure that I hit all the targets that you just literally just set out for the employee to be indispensable. Absolutely. It's, and it works so very well. So my question for you here is, I'm curious on this. Have you actually written a book about this yet? Yeah. So here's what I did. So this was my original. Initially, in August of 2017, all I wanted to do was solve my own problem. Okay. That's all I wanted, right? Because I've got a bunch of people working for me who don't like me, right? They, they really, honestly, I swear, that's true. These people do not like me. And I, quite honestly, I really didn't like them. I felt like I was being used. So what I did was implemented it into my own company. And I said, you know what? I can help other people with this. So all I'm going to do is I'll write a book. I'll just simply write a book and I'll sell it to employers so that they understand they need to do these six things and everything will be perfect. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. First of all, employees don't necessarily trust employers. So when an employer comes and says, let's do this, right? Let's implement these six things. Well, that's just another pie in the sky idea, right? We've heard you say that a hundred times before and it doesn't get followed up. It doesn't happen. You know, we start it for 10 minutes and then it goes away. So the employee is already disengaged from the idea of the employer presenting it. That's not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem is, Every industry is different. What, what one industry faces isn't the same that another industry faces. So, and I use this as an example when I talk to people, but it is just true. If we take a florist, right, and a florist needs to get a sale, they are very limited in how they can do that. First of all, they're stuck in a building in one location, right, all day. They have to make flower arrangements. They have to answer the phone. They got to order inventory. They don't have time to walk around to the coroner's office to see if anybody died and if they need flowers. They're stuck in one location. Now, they have huge advantages of that. If someone calls, if someone walks in the door, if someone hits their website or sends them an email, that's most probably a buying customer. So that's a huge advantage that they have. How a roofer does it is completely different. A roofer has the ability to stop into a building in the morning and get a coffee, go to the supply house, 
hit up the gas station, drive through neighborhoods with literally hundreds of roofs all over the place and see if anybody needs a new roof, stand on a commercial building and see what the neighboring roofs look like. This guy can see who needs it. He's literally standing in the coroner's office, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how a how a roofing company is capable of getting a sale is not the same way a florist is. So I need to talk to the employee and terminology that they understand. I need to step into their world and explain it to them in a way that they'll understand it. Right. So in order to fix that problem, you said, did you write a book? I actually wrote 40 of them. I wrote one for each industry. And it and, and and it's the greatest on the planet, but it's the greatest whatever it is on the planet. It's the greatest roofer on the planet, the greatest plumber on the planet, the greatest florist on the planet, the greatest retail professional, the greatest bartender, whatever the industry is, right? And and even I didn't even create one for the restaurant industry because when I stepped into that space, that's really not what their needs are. A, a restaurant really has up to three different forms of a business within one building. They have the servers, right? So we have the greatest server on the planet. They have the cooks in the back, right? So we have the greatest cooking professionals on the planet. And then they have a bartender, the greatest bartenders on the planet. How all three of those do their job is completely different from one another. Oh, entirely. They work in unison, but they are different. Very different, very different. I mean, a server brings the food out to the table. Do they have any say on whether or not that tastes good or not? They didn't make it, right? Yeah, exactly. But if it does taste bad, who's getting the blunt of it? The server, right? They didn't even make it. But can a server fill booths? Yes. Can a cook fill tables? Yes. Can a bartender fill bar stools? Yes. So we need to talk to them in terms that they understand. And, uh, and then, and, and I want it to be affordable for everybody. That was very, very, very important for me because I've been that little guy before I've had, you know, 10 employees and what can I do more? You know, what else can I do? And I would have loved something affordable that I could have given to my 10 employees to help me grow my business. And this, this would have been the answer and, and you can buy it, uh, for as little as, uh, I think it's a hundred and $129, uh, a program. So, um, yeah, I mean, if somebody has 10 employees, you know, they could put them, you know, on this, uh, you know, really inexpensively to try to get more benefit out of it. How long does it take to get back $129? Not long. If you're running your business properly, it won't even take that long. Now, the only, the only, the only challenge with it is, and I, and I do do my best to explain this is nothing in life is one and done. You cannot put this program in front of your employees one time and expect everything to change. You need to put it in front of them again. So my recommendation is to put it, put it in front of them four times a year, once per quarter. Because if you're focused on sales and you're focused on follow-up and you're focused on being a better person and, and you do that regularly over the year, say once per quarter, then eventually that becomes the mainstay. This is what we look for. And in my goal, and you know, I use this as an example, but when Bill Gates started Microsoft, he did not have the thought in his head that my goal is I want to be a billionaire. That wasn't his goal. What his goal was is I want to be the operating machine for every home computer and business computer on the planet. That's what I want. 
And because that was his focus, he was able to win. And because he was able to win, his trophy was he made a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm the exact same way. What I want, my goal is one day I want employees to sit down in front of employers and the employer says, do you have any other questions? And the employee says, yes. Are you a greatest on the planet company? That when that happens, I've won. I'll have a lot of trophies at that point. Oh, exactly. And especially the greatest thing about that is that having that system going to every, imagine if every single company did have that, like the working environment would change entirely. I want to. I want exactly. to. Yeah. I'm glad only, that you're here with us <laughs> to actually yeah. know that. The, the, the one challenge I do have, and you know, people need to understand this too, is I wasn't able to create one if I didn't understand the business. So I use this as an example. I am not capable of going into Amazon and solving any kind of problems they have because in order to do that, I would need to understand how that business is set up. Is someone who is a web development person, right? What are challenges that they have to face and follow up? I have no clue. Yeah. Well, right? obviously you want to tailor make what's going on. Yeah. So what's that? It's it's a tailor made yeah. program. It's not like it's not like you can rock up exactly to Amazon again. We'll just use it. You can't rock up to Amazon's um, web development team and go, okay, cool. This is going to solve your problems. Like I have no idea what your problems are. Exactly. That's, like a, that, that's a doctor showing up to a patient and saying, "This will fix you," and they're like, "Do you even know what I have?" Exactly. So so I can't do everyone, but I honestly do believe, I mean, if someone like Amazon called me and said, hey, could you come in here and diagnose what we have going on? I do believe based on my six things, I could fix any problem they have. I would just have to understand each department. You know, and it's probably not even that big of a job. It probably is actually easier than you would even think because the core fundamentals of the six things would just need to be applied to every single department. And, you know, how we do that, you know, we just have to figure it out as we went along. But when it comes to something, you know, that's, you know, very standard and something like you would understand and I would understand, you know, most people would understand it, it very easily fits in, you know, how, how a server could follow things up. Well, I'm a person who's been to a lot of restaurants before, so I know things a server could do to follow things up. And, and I don't tell the server what to do. In, in, in the program, I don't tell the server what to do. I ask the server, what would you do? And then I ask them to write that down. And then I allow them to go do that. And, and, and you know, and there's, there's, there's a lot of things in there that really help the business. Like there's one page in there that says, name 20 things we could do to save money around here. Employee fills out those 20 things, rips the page out of the book, and gives it back to the employer. They can give it back anonymously. They could write their name on it if they want to. They, the employer could even reward the employees. Hey, if we come up with a cost savings idea and we implement it, we'll give you a bonus. So for if they buy it four times a year, that's let's say they have 10 employees, 20 cost savings ideas each. That's 200 cost savings every time the employees rip that page out and give it back to you. Yeah, that saves you that that right there will save you the cost of the program. Not and then to there's, mention, there's also that, sorry to interrupt. But there is also that whole thing as well with the idea of you might have the same suggestion come up four separate times or eight separate times from eight separate people. And absolutely. now you have now it's like clarity that wait, everyone's saying this. OK, so we have to do this. You're absolutely right. 
absolutely 100% right. And in, in what I tell the, oh, and there's another page too about efficiency. So what can we do to be more efficient around here? And that has 20 things on it as well. So you end up with 20 or 200 cost saving or 200 more efficient items, things we could be more mainstreamed. But employers don't ever ask this because we're not focused on the most important thing in the company. And it is the people that work there. So, uh, you know, just those two line items alone, uh, you know, pay for the program, but it is not a program where we're going to tell the employees. I mean, I'm actually against procedure manual. I love policy. Okay. Policy makes sense to me. So in a business, here's a policy. If you ate the cheeseburger, we're not giving you a refund. That's a policy, right? A procedure is have a smile on your face and say, Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you? If the employee doesn't resonate well with that statement, they're not going to enjoy doing it and they're going to quit. So what I want the employee to do is be themselves. If you can destroy the procedure manual, that's a lot of your problem. People want to take their business and turn it into McDonald's. So everybody follows the steps, follows the steps, follows the steps. And I try to do it in my own business too. It doesn't work. Because the employees don't buy into it. So they're not going to try to change you. They're just going to leave. And then I'm going to have to go find somebody else and try to force them into the procedure manual. And, you know, I don't know when the last time it was that you've been to a fast food restaurant, but it's not even that good of a customer service experience. No, it really isn't. It isn't. So why are we trying to turn our companies into that? We shouldn't be. Empower the employee. What I want the employer to do is wake up every single day with this thought in your head. What else can I do for them? The same thing you've been doing for decades for your customers. I want you to start doing it for your employees. That is incredible. Forget the customer. Let the employees worry about them. They're good people. They follow things up, right? We've been through the list. What does my customer have to worry about? Nothing. They're in good hands. Exactly. Like it, it's genuinely one of those things that people need to like really look at and kind of take that thought process and work with it. Now, my question for you, really, here, because we're coming up to like one of my favorite parts of the show. It's this. I like so. We're going to modify the questions a little bit because usually I have like some questions I love to ask, but we're modifying them down to this one thing. And my cat's going crazy in the background. Um, <laughs> So my first question realistically to you is like, what were three books that really impacted your life? Hmm. That's good. Um, well, I'd have to say the number one, and I read it later in life too, was uh, Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is an amazing, amazing, amazing book. I mean, I tell people, you know, and, and, and I didn't know Grant at the time that he wrote that, but I mean, that guy poured his heart and soul into that book. I mean, he gave information in that book that, I mean, it's it never been laid out before. I mean, people might say it has, and then, you know, and fundamentals of selling um, that people ignore, and they come up with these gimmicks and these games and things that you need to do, and you really just don't, you know, I mean, and, and I'll just tell you a story really quick. People say, well, how are you going to take somebody who's a janitor working at, you know, uh, office building and turn them into a salesperson. Very, very, very simply because I understand how to sell. In order to get a sale, you only need one and or two things to get a sale. That's all you need. 
And if this is in the book. I'm going to teach the employees this very fundamental fact. And it is a very fundamental fact of sales that people overlook. In order to get a sale, you do not have to have a discount. Yep. You do not have to have someone that the buyer likes. I buy stuff on Amazon all the time. and I don't know who I'm buying it from. I have no idea who this person is. Sometimes I look at the review. Sometimes I don't. Right. You don't need to have that. What you do have to have in order to have a sale, and you don't even have to have this, but it really, really helps. What you have to have is a need for your product or services or a want for your products or services. That's all you have to have in order to get a sale. So in, in, in your scenario, doing copywriting, right? Could you sell your copywriting to an 80-year-old living in a nursing home? The answer is yes, you could. You could go in there and you could convince her that she should buy your product. My question to you is why would you want to? Exactly. Take your time and energy and go sell it to somebody else. So back to your question about books, I would say for sure, without a doubt, Seller Be Sold is, is at the top of the list. Um, let me think of others that I have uh, read. I've read so many books. It's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm very similar. Like I have so many books that I've read that have impacted me. I'm like, damn, I've got to find like three. The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is really good. Uh, I, I don't book. know. Oh, yeah. Yep. I like that book a lot. Um, let me think of what else I've read. Because there's been some that are really good. I don't want to say anything that's going to lead your readers down or your listeners down a bad road. Oh, don't worry about it. They have I have a bookshelf with so many books on it. I don't even know. Um, most of my stuff is uh, nonfiction. You know, most of the things that I read because I'm trying to learn. Same. Most of the oh, things I read are nonfiction. I can't think of a third one off the top of my head. Do you want me to go look at my bookshelf real quick and see if I can find one? Oh, dude, if you can't, then no worries about it. I mean, if you yeah, do I think can. of one, just message me because you got me on Messenger. Just send me a quick message like, this is the book, and we'll probably sure. add it in later. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, that's that's one of the craziest things about it. And, like, finally, what I would actually suggest everyone does, because, like, usually at this point, I'd always ask people, okay, how would you summate what you've said? But there's just so much here that I don't need to go back and summarize anything. Guys, go back and listen to the six steps. Because that's powerful. And the craziest thing about it is that if you're an employer, if you're an entrepreneur with a team, listen to that from the side of an entrepreneur. If you're an employee, strive to be those things. Yes. It, it, it's, it meets both sides of the, of, um, both sides of the requirements. And that's powerful. Also, I'd say go check out The Greatest, uh, the greatest on, on Earth. Is The Greatest on the, 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 greatest on the Planet on the planet that's it the greatest on the planet.com go check it out because it's an incredible resource to have and yep. john I, i'm so grateful that you actually took the time to be here today brother and I actually just share the way that you did because there's so much yeah well, one thing i'd like to drop in if i can something that oh, i'm working means. very very important to me and I, I i'm more excited about this than i am the greatest on the planet but i come from a place of giving okay so i do not resonate well with giving back and the reason I don't resonate well with giving back is because I didn't take anything to begin with. I started from a place of giving, right? I gave first. 
I get back. I don't give back. I get back because I gave first. And I don't know what, what I'm getting back from the person I gave it to, probably nothing. But is it going to come back to me in a different way? It will. And I've done it too many times in my life to know that it works. So if you can come from a place of giving first, you will get back. So with that being the thought, what I did was I thought, how can I give? What, what can I do to help somebody else? And what I did, and it's turning out to be a really great thing, is I created a school on Facebook. And it's called John Hopper's Business School. And here's the, the, the basis for the school is we have people like myself who are experienced business owners. Some of them have been in business for 20 years. Some of them have been in business for five years. And what we're doing is we're freely giving information, knowledge, and advice to students. So you can get a PhD from somebody who's been down this road before. If you have an issue with growing your business, jump in the group throw a post up and you'll have 10 business owners respond to you in 30 seconds and tell you what they would do. Now, can you do all of them? No, but you can take the one that resonates with you the best and say, Hey, you know, I, I like his idea. I'm going to do that. And, and then you're also very much allowed to sell in the group. So take, for example, you, if somebody said, Hey, you know what? I need to redo my website. Then what you might want to do is jump on that post and say, you know what? Here's the deal. I do copywriting. That's what I do for a living. If you need any advice or any tips on copywriting, reach out to me. Next thing you know, the person reaches out to you. And two months later, you have the gig of either showing him how to do the copy or you're doing it for him. Right. And that helps everybody. So give first and then get back. So the name of the group is John Hopper's Business School, and it's in Facebook groups, and it's 100% free. I mean, nobody gets paid to be in there uh, other than the fact you're helping somebody else. You know, I mean, there is definitely a reward in that. Somebody took your advice, they've implemented it into your business, into their business, and now they're winning with it. I mean, how is that not a win? How did you not get back from that? So give first and then get back. And it's called John Hopper's Business School and Facebook Groups. And I uh, welcome all of your listeners to please join it. Oh, I'm actually joining right now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> like literally as you're doing this, I'm doing it on my phone. I'm like, screw it, I'm joining. I'm going to okay. be left out. And if, you're there, and if you guys actually do join and you're there because of me, um, do me a huge favor. Just like tag me and say hello and I'll be all, all but happy to like talk to you on there as well because you guys know I love speaking to people. But John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, my friend. Guys, go check out thegreatestontheplanet.com. And I'm sure we'll get John back in the future. I mean, if you enjoy this, I hope uh, we get you back on. But like, dude, seriously, really, really, really thankful that you actually just gave as much as you did, just so openly as well. And and, and I'm thankful that you had me. Truly, truly an honor. I, I, I really mean that. All right, guys, go check out uh, thegreatestontheplanet.com. I will see you on another episode next week. And again, remember, we got the Monday show, so mail in your questions uh, through the website. And of course, as always, I'll answer them on the Monday podcast. Take care, guys, and speak soon.